0: I I just turned off the heat. It's gonna kick off in a second here. I'm gonna freeze for you girls. uh, For this particular recording. Putting my blanket over my lap like a grandma. We just got through a whole cold snap and it totally fucked up everything. uh, The week before, this is an old, old cold house. It was built very early in the 1900s. Uh, It's an old, old cold house. It's built for the summer heat, and we've just had the coldest winter on record, a couple of coldest days, like the coldest Halloween, and a couple of coldest other days as well. So we've had a real cold winter. The cold snap's almost over. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a lot better from here. Uh, and uh, I'm quite grateful for that. And it just totally uh, depressed in the typical sense, not the not psychological sense, like work ethic and all the rest. And then you put Christmas stuff on top. And I was just like, I'm too cold, I can't record, the heat's got to be on anyway. Uh, (laughs) What do you want me to do, universe? What do you want me to do? And so I've been kind of in and out of that uh, mindset. And it's been absolutely fantastic. It's been wonderful because I got a little bit swamped with commissions. I'm just a little bit behind. I'm still going to get them all out in Christmas. Everything's still going to be fine uh, with it. But this is the first time I've ever been behind, even just a little bit where I didn't freak out and I didn't have any kind of like moment where oh no, everybody hates me and everybody, the the moment I sign on everybody's like tisking and if I'm not doing that then everybody's so mad like I get it, there's going to be irritation I may have to do some apologies I get it, I do Um, but legitimately (laughs) I feel so So good. It's been 50 days since I moved in here, and I love the work that I've produced since I've been in here. I took some time off of myself since I've been in here. Uh, I I, I like my attitude a lot since I've been in here. I've taken like a kind of a 50-day evaluation, and I just legitimately believe that my mentality, that my my affect, that all of that's better. Uh, I'm really just much happier here and i hope that you feel that i am think that i am as well it means a lot to me that i'm getting that kind of message i there's going to be another show before the end of the year but it is it is that time of reflection it is that time of of everybody's thinking of odd sanglang and all that stuff um and i i don't want to get too emotional uh before we go into the Christmas show. But it means a lot. It means a lot. You're my Christmas. I have my Christmas traditions, and you are becoming more and more rapidly as a lady of the night listening to this, one of them, and putting on a Christmas show and that sort of thing. I'm sorry that I didn't have the time um, or the wherewithal or the budget to really put on a show for everybody this Christmas. I had to kind of like choose and prioritize. I did choose the commission sale and I did choose patrons, but it's only gonna be a matter of time before I can start pushing this energy out towards everybody uh, in the project, no matter how much free coin you have to spend per month. Um, I I did wanna do it for the patrons though. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, I'm in the middle of 12 days of Christmas, uh, or for the last couple, I guess the last week, uh, at this point up until Christmas there's been a new audio every day, and it's been really nice. It's been really nice with the cold snap, with the cold winter, with the moving, with the taking time for myself and all the rest, to have the energy to do that, and I like the quality of them too. I hope you guys like the quality of them as well, I think they, they sound really good, and I I, I said I was open for business a couple of months back. I asked for help and and money to move in here and then said I wouldn't need help or money again. And I got to say, it feels real good. It feels fantastic. Like everything on that front is going according to plan. And so that's what I'm leaning on. That's what I'm relying on and, and pushing my shoulder into, that it just feels so goddamn good that things are finally starting to work out as I anticipate them. Uh, Because I usually catastrophize and I I think about how horrible things are going to go, and I'm still doing that. I'm still doing that all the time. And I've been flirting with a gal who's been making me feel good about this side of myself, which is new, Uh, so I'm going to reveal a little story about how crazy I am as a Christmas gift to all of you. Uh, personally, I'm just gonna be real honest with you. I think me doing all this work and me getting a little bit buried in commission uh, sales uh, and and all the rest, and still getting everything out, I think that's my gift to you. I've taken all I've taken previous holiday seasons off. Uh, that's a pretty good fucking gift. Is uh, that I keep working and doing all the stuff and putting that all out. Uh, I think that's the gift. I think a longer podcast with more frequent episodes—you got that. You got that as a gift in 2019. Uh, you can kiss my ass if you really like it. It's nice and big and salty. I've been working on it. You can kiss that. That's a gift for you if you want that. Uh, there's three gifts. I give you. I give you three gifts in 2019. Uh, I I know that you want some more. I don't appreciate it. So here it is. If you're listening to this, you're definitely still like a mega fan. If you haven't skipped over all the rambling portions at this point. So you're really probably very into me or very into my process, my thought process, one of the two. And so here it is. I'm crazy. I'm fucking nuts. And a long time ago, I, like a long time ago, like pubescent time ago, and I don't mean like the tail end of it, I basically just kind of, like, made a demonic pact with myself. I basically just said, everyone tells you that you're thinking, and you're feeling, and your thoughts are annoying, and bad, and wrong. Not specific ones, but just all of them. If you talk in front of somebody, they really don't like that. So you should definitely not talk in front of people unless you're telling a kind of story. Because people don't like you, and they don't like what you have to say, so you should say it in a way that they do. And the way that you should do that is to not be you. I had a rough childhood, and it's going to get a little bit rougher, but I think it has a happy ending. But legitimately, inside my house or outside, pairs, peers or parents or, or what have you, uh, there was a lot of, uh-huh, moving along. And I don't know what degree it was real and what degree it was perceived in my head, but it felt very real. And I started telling stories all the time. Not stories like, I have this girlfriend, she goes to a school you don't know. I mean, I told my fair share of those insecure stories too, back at that period. But I just mean like telling stories. So if I wanted to say, I think that the stage door should be on the right side, not the left side of the set, the way I would say that is, I think the stage door should be on the right side, not the left side of the set. But people don't like me. That's a rule that I've made. And so I have to tell a story. And I started telling the story of why the door should be on the other side from where it was proposed. And the story went like this. <clears throat> I once heard a director say it's best to have the door where the light is. Now I never heard a director say that. but. I told a story about a director who did, you see, and I wasn't saying it, and it got listened to in a way that group definitely had never listened to me before. And I'm very grateful that I didn't become a serial killer out of this. I just watched a documentary called Don't Fuck With Cats, and I'm pretty sure that's how that fucking guy got started. At age 13 or so, he just did that, and he went, oh, I got it. And then that just kind of let him down a dark path. I'm really glad that I didn't just turn and go, okay, I didn't just turn to, like, the 13-year-old girl next to me and be all like, I heard that two 13-year-olds having sex is the greatest experience anyone's ever known, right? I'm really glad that I didn't, like, go down a darker path than that than I could have uh, with the realization. But all I wanted was for people to stop. <laughs> all I wanted was for people to stop Either making mistakes or fucking with me or all the rest. And so I started telling stories. And everything I said, if it was important to me, I tried to focus it down into the story. And it worked really well, really well. And I think I became a writer because of it. I really do. I was already writing well before this, but I think this is how I channeled my thoughts. This is how I evoke my feelings. Uh, This is how I become evocative. I believe. This is how my very descriptive and very tensile uh, uh, descriptors came into play because I had to try and take my actual feelings and then turn them into stories so that I wouldn't be berated. Real or imagined. Because again, I don't know which it is looking back. So, with all that in mind, I think a really bad thing happened about 10, 15 years into this pact where I got so used to putting my feelings into stories, and analogy, that they started really manifesting like that. And they still do, to some degree, to this day. This is how I'm still crazy, sad to say. In my old apartment, where my tenseness was high, You knew that I had two meth addict neighbors, or or if you're a constant listener, you do. And that's why I left. That was the final straw. I have to leave. They're starting to do meth at like 1 a.m. in the morning. I can't record even at night. I have to, have to, have to get out of here. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to record, right? So you knew that. And so if I told you the story about them, you would go, of course. Oh, daddy, daddy, I understand. Daddy, no, no, of course you did, daddy. I get it. No, of course you did, daddy. But I'm not telling the story about them. I need to make it clear. I only had one adjacent unit touching my fucking apartment. Only one. And in it, at this period of time, lived a very frail, very small, very insecure, bespeckled man who was working for Uber and Lyft and delivering booze. He was a very meek individual, and I'm not insulting him in any way, but he was very casual. He's the kind of guy I legitimately believe that even if you're the kind of woman who's skittish, about being on a street alone with a man, he's the kind of guy legitimately just looking at him, just because he has no hostility or aggression or anything, just looking at him, you might not even cross the street to the other side. If you were in a long corridor or hallway and you have the kind of idea like, "Uh uh-oh, we're the only two alone in this hallway, he's the kind of guy where you might immediately think after, that's silly. Okay, that thought is silly. This, this guy is not that guy. And I just I don't know how you'd feel. You have your own feelings and your own thoughts, and men are dangerous in different ways. But there's no serial killer vibe to this guy at all. He's just a total normal guy. There's nothing in his eyes or his posture, his clothing, his vehicle. There's nothing in him that says to me, aggression, danger, watch out. to anybody, anybody. I'm a, I'm a big guy. And I'm saying this towards anybody. For an entire fucking year, in an apartment with two windows that were both fully covered, one with blinds and one with a solution to block the street traffic, fully covered, so I lived in darkness with fairy lights like a goddamn mole person. For a full fucking year, almost every time I coughed or sneezed too loudly, every time, I imagined him, this meek five foot eight guy, literally holding up a pistol to the wall right where I was and firing in pure rage at the distress I was causing him. I saw him in person three times in my entire life and we literally never once exchanged a single word Never once. He left a note for me once, and I was terrified, and I picked it up, and I opened it, and he said, have your package left by the stairs. We'll leave out on way to work. Number two, because he was in number two. That's my only interaction with this guy, and before and after that, Every single time at 2 a.m., at 9 a.m., at 2 p.m., at 7 p.m., if I sneezed, if I coughed, if I made a noise, I imagined him screaming, pulling out a gun, knowing right where I was, and shooting through the wall. And guess what? That's stage one of the PTSD lock. That's when I know that it's going to get worse if I don't treat it there. Because stage two from there doesn't just kind of like make me want to be quiet in my own apartment at all times, 24-7, and feel relief when I hear him leave, knowing that I can be loud because he's a single guy until he gets back. That's the beginning. Knowing that I'm going to be assassinated. Knowing that I'm going to be assassinated. And knowing how stupid it is, and knowing there's no chance of that happening, and not being able to turn the thoughts off at all. That's stage one. And it just kind of manifests and builds from there until the point where I was legitimately having fantasies. Legitimately having fantasies. Fantasies. And I knew that they were fantasies in the same way that you might have a fantasy on a beach. Right on the same way that you might take fantasy and relief of if you have a fantasy about a boss being fired that you particularly hate or a fantasy about somebody coming on to you fantasy that you know is a fantasy and you're engaging in it just for fantastical purposes but for relief and for pleasure at the anxiety that you're experiencing to eventually give myself relief from the anxiety that I was experiencing at all the ideas of this gunshot coming through because I was sneezing or coughing and once because I dropped a glass and broke it. I legitimately had this entire idea, was even looking them up and everything, about getting these metal plates. Just these kind of metal plates, these kind of porcelain metal plates. They're just a little, they're mostly porcelain and they've got this kind of metal, tip that you pour on the porcelain at the end. And they're ballistic plates. And I just thought about how nice it would be, just how nice it would be, if I could get a strip of them all across the adjoining wall so that if he did take out the gun and shoot it at me, I wouldn't get shot in the head. And then I started to wonder, how much would it cost to put up everything all over the wall? How much would it cost to put ballistic? because I mean it does dampen sound really well, and it insulates really well, and it's really not that expensive, and, I... and that's how far down the rabbit hole, that's like a stage three, it goes up to stage five in my own, like, reckoning of how far a PTSD lock goes, but that's like a stage three, it goes worse from there. It's been way worse. When I talk about, like, not leaving the apartment or not speaking aloud for months at a time, that's a stage four or five. That's where legitimately the entire world is always being destroyed as soon as I open my mouth. So I find a ranch or a job someplace where you can remote work uh, because you got to pay the bills. And I don't see anybody because I can't handle it. Because I can't separate the feelings from the reality when I'm that far gone. But boy howdy, uh, that's why I wanted to take you on the journey about how crazy I am and how good I'm feeling about how this woman is making me talk about myself and, and how easy it is to talk to her and how easy it's been to, to flirt with her and others and, and that sort of thing right now in my life. And why I'm so appreciative for all of you, I never expected this from her. Uh, And I'm trying to open myself more because of it. Because not only did I not talk about anything that heavy at all, I talked about something that was almost cute by comparison. I talked about something that I think you all actually think about to some degree. I talked about whiz snipers which is a level one, and almost like a half level. It's almost adorable after what I was just talking about, this very meek, very mild-mannered, absolutely no criminal intent neighbor, uh, being the perfect John Wick through the wall rage assassin, right, going from that to whiz, snipers, I really want you to take the ride with me about how better I'm getting. Because I had about two days with the cold snap where I got real anxious and I was thinking about that heating bill creeping up. Please fucking tip me. Oh my god, I fucking plugged in the tree and I bought a fucking tree for you guys and it's gonna be such a fucking expensive electric bill. Oh fucking please fucking. Oh my god, fucking tip me. Oh my god, I'm gonna fucking die. And uh, I was thinking about the electric bill going up and all the stress and the cold snap and it really kind of shuttered things. And then I had bad luck on a video game, which is the worst thing ever in the goddamn universe. And so. I just kind of felt myself going into a half stage one. And what I'm envisioning because these windows are not covered all the way and I refuse to and I love the light. If you came here, if you saw the kitty video with the purrin, it's because there's light enough when the cat's on my lap and purrin just to take a little video. Couldn't do that in the old place, can do it here, right? I love the light, I love the windows. I don't want to give up the daylight. I like the whole thing, I really do. But I did contemplate maybe covering them for a day or two. Because of whiz snipers. Whiz as in I have to go take a whiz. I know women don't say that because you have different genitals. And I'm sorry, it's absolutely different. And women are like, we can pee in the snow too. It's like, yes, you can. Just like men can do the splits. We can do the full splits, both directions. We can. It's not the same thing when we fucking do it. When you do the splits, it's enticing. When we do the splits, it's a fucking freak of nature thing. Fucking same deal, ladies. Men whiz. We piss. I know you piss too, but we piss and we stand. And honest to God, if it didn't smell, if it wasn't not hygienic, do you really think that there would be urinals for men? Do you really believe if nobody had a problem with the way men's piss felt and smelt and, like, what it did, that there would really be... You think men would really go into the tiny rooms and then stand and then look at the wall and hold the jug? Fuck no. Every single man you've ever met, at least at least 25 times in his goddamn life, if he's over the age of 18, has just been somewhere, was walking along just like you do, was like, hey, I need to pee, just like you do, except the difference being, maybe he didn't even have to stop. Depending on what he was wearing and his location, he could have just started right there and kept on fucking going. I know, I've been him. I was on the trail... I was wearing the cargo shorts, the zipper was already a bit undone, I just kind of shimmied my fucker out and let it happen as I was- I was like, I'm not going to stop. I'm making great time. Fuck no, this is the equivalent of getting a bottle and putting your dick in it when you're driving. Fuck no, I'm not going to stop to piss. There's a bottle right here! There's a cap that goes on the bottle! My stink's already been in the car for seven hours. You think the piss is gonna make this car stink? There's been a half a fucking subway goddamn Italian loaf of bread and meatball sandwich in the back for three and a half hours. The piss is a welcome to of fragrance compared to everything else in here. Okay? Can a woman piss into a bottle on a car trip to save time? Of course she can. Will she? Fucking no. Fucking no! You tell me that story, you find that woman, let's have a conversation. I have a lot of goddamn questions, all right? I'm just trying to say the physiology is different. And men take whizzes. And because of this, there's something that men do that women don't. And I'm just, I'm sorry about this, but this is absolutely true. I don't put a lot of gender differences down, but this is 100% there, and I do 100% believe it's on biology. That is to say, men cut it way fucking closer when it comes to pisses. We do. From the moment we're born until the moment we die, we know we have more time, and we play it. We feel the need to pee, and we suppress it, Way fucking closer, and every single one of you has been with, I shouldn't say every single one of you, almost every single one of you will be with a man who you will wake up in the middle of the night and you will see just a little bit of piss around the toilet, well, just a little bit, and you'll be like, How the fuck did that happen? I'll tell you how. There's multiple goddamn practical reasons why that happens and you don't get it because you're not trying to fucking pee out a thing that literally changes size and shape and temperature and duration and hole that it sprays stuff out of and 98% of the time everything works great when you whiz 98% of the time operation is a success But here's what you don't fucking get. Sometimes it just comes out in two or three streams, called the devil stream. Sometimes it just comes out in two or three. We don't know it doesn't feel any different. We don't know it's not going to be there. We just start peeing and all of a sudden, two or three streams come out at once. Out our dick, like we picked up an upgrade in a fucking video game and we got the spreader. Makes makes your attack go in multiple directions at once. Oh shit, I got the power up. Oh, shit! It doesn't ever feel good, though. It never feels good, though, because you're trying to aim two streams. You know... Do you understand? Here's the best analogy I can give, because a woman's like, how does this keep happening? When by keep happening, she meant, like, once every seven weeks, and then I would forget because I was peeing asleep. She's like, how did this keep happening? Here's the analogy that I finally got... Ready? Imagine that you're playing a game of pinball, and you're enjoying it. You've played it 40 fucking times before. It's your favorite pinball game. And you're playing it, you're enjoying it. And then all of a sudden, on time number 40, just... the way through a typical game, all of a sudden, Multi-Ball! 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 And you've never seen Multi-Ball before? You're like, what the fuck? The machine starts screaming and blinking. It's like, oh, you're gonna die! The the machine actually starts, like, talking to you directly over those speakers. It's all like, what the hell is this? You better handle it! Multi-Ball! Uh-oh, there goes one! Oh, no! You're not very good at this, are you? Uh Uh-oh, here comes another! Just all of a sudden you're in the middle of it You never, there's no anticipatory Thing And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna cut from my prepared remarks Just a little bit here about whizzing And all the joys of it Hope you're having a good Christmas show And all the joys of whizzing as a man Someone says, women, women's pee goes all directions too I know I've licked pussy until you've done it all over my face I goddamn know that you have no control over that shit All right. I understand. Here's the difference. Ready? Okay? You sit down on it like it's a blast, like it's a grenade that you're taking for the team. That's a different goddamn story, all right? (laughs) It can go any direction it wants in that scenario. What's it going to do? Hit your butt a little bit? I know it hits your butt. I know it hits your butt, and I know you don't wash your butts when it hits it. I know that your pee hits your butts and you do not wash your butts after it hits it. You just pretend and hope that the man don't want your butt after you got pee on it. I know. And then if the man talks about peeing in the shower, you cast him, a, you cast him dirty. Call him dirty if he pee in the shower. Don't you? Don't you? After you pee on your own butts and then pretend you don't even wash your own ass off. Don't you? Don't you? I know the game. I fucking know this game. I've been around town. <laughs> so men have a different biology. It's very different. It's we, we have one shaft that sprays cum and piss, and we can kind of switch over between the two. And also, our penis and our peeing is attached to our anus. And if we have a... <laughs> you guys didn't think I knew about the peeing on the butts, huh? You really didn't. You're all like you think you think we're aggressive than you know. We're aggressive than you know. When the peer on the robots <gasps> Welcome to my world <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Ain't no man peeing on himself and then just go, ah, fuck it, going back to bed. If a man gets his thigh with a devil stream, you best damn believe that he's at least soft-soaping that shit off. It's too rare of an occurrence. I'm just telling you. <laughs> it's too weird. Ooh, ooh, I just gave myself the old jellyfish cure. Ugh, hey, get it off, get off, get off. Devil Stream is the name for when it suddenly becomes two or three streams, ask any man. Ask any man if he Devil Streams when he's peeing and he'll know exactly what you're fucking talking about. Oh yeah, I know the Devil Stream. It was 87. I was in the Yukon. (laughs) So whizzing's fun, and we have a prostate. You guys don't have those. It makes anal sex way, or anal play, way more interesting for us than you, but we really appreciate you guys pretending that you enjoy it so much. And the different physiology means that if we hold our pee in, which we can do longer, we can I we do. We have we have a higher capacity both in absolute and relative volume. Deal with it, ladies. That's why you can't be firefighters. And <laughs> and, and so here's what you don't get. If we wait until the last second to pee, it feels better than it does with you. I'm not trying to start a pissing contest here, but it's true. If we wait, it touches the prostate, all of those muscles are joined together, they all squeeze, and when we when we release, it's like, oh, oh, oh. and you learn that as a boy like 10 years before your first orgasm. Like 10 years, like a good decade as a young boy, you realize like, Oh my God, the Pia's feels amazing. Am I way right to Pia. Ah. You're like three or four when you have that epiphany. You're like, this is, oh, I thought I was going to die. And then everything felt better than I ever thought. And it's not sexual. Hello, Chrissy, we're talking about Pia. It's not sexual in any way. It's just one of those awakening. God, we've got so much show to get through, too. <laughs> it's not sexual. It's just awakening. <clears throat> And so you just kind of have that relationship, and then some guys are holders. Most guys are not. This is, a, this is a subbreed. I used to be a holder, and holders will hold until the last possible second. Yeah, because it feels that good. And they'll time themselves out. There are famous holders. There are celebrity holders like Dimitri Martin. I guess he's not a celebrity anymore. But like Dimitri Martin and Gary Busey. They talked about how much fun it is to hold their pee and pee at the last second. How good their pee They can't wait to talk about it to interviewers. Oh my God, 48 hours? There was this one time I couldn't fucking pee four and a half hours. I was drinking the whole set. And I got, oh man. it's better than my first divorce. There are famous there are famous holders. They talk about the, the holding of the pea and how great it was, and, and they compare it to so much better that it's always better than sex when they the, the famous holders. It's always like it's when I purchased my first house. It's when I got out of prison. That's how good it feels. It's better than anything you've ever experienced, you're not holder. That's what they try and claim, anyway. Uh I'm just I'm just trying to give you the basic biological facts about why men are wizards. So that we can finally get to the whiz snipers. So, as the cold snap hit, and all the frustration, and all the all the additional commission orders, and all that thing came in, uh, and I appreciate your patience so much. Thank you so much. I that stress leads leads to eventually, if untreated, if if I just stay anxious, it leads to PTSD uh, lock. It leads to a PTSD mind. I always have a PTSD mindset, but it leads to the mindset where I can't do anything. Any choice I make is wrong. I can't make any new thing. I can't choose any old thing because those things don't work. I can't do anything. Ah, I just have to survive. Survive, survive, survive. And so I'm feeling myself go into this, and here's how I know that I'm actually moving in towards a PTSD lock position. I think about my new bright windows that I love, and I think about snipers Because the windows are covered in this room. I think about snipers waiting outside with their sniper rifles... Waiting, and they're discussing. There's different windows, and you can't look in through all of them. So it's plural assholes. It's whiz snipers. Please don't like mitigate this and be all like, "Ooh, he thinks he's crazy because it's a sniper outside his window trying to shoot him when he pees." Get fucking bent. This is a whole fucking elite team, all right. These are the same assholes that took down Islamabad, abadabad, all that shit, all right. This is some SEAL Team Six. They're in, they've got the wrist to the ear, I don't know why that helps them here, with the full gear, no, you'd think they would just put the fucking thing in the ear like I have, I do radio work at home, I mean, I don't fucking, I don't want to put it up to my ear or fucking ear hear it. don't what are you bad about you put it in the way, you just have it, but they put the ear up, and the, oh yeah, I, I see it. and I have a cool name and everything, yes, yes, uh, Fatty McButterpants is coming by the window in two seconds, are you ready? Fatty McButterpants spied. Fatty McButterpants, central mass is acquired. Oh, he's moving too fast, goddammit. Run, Fatty, run, Fatty McButterpants, how dare you. (laughs) All right, get ready for... Get ready, sniper number two. FB is coming by. He's moving real slow. He's bending down to pet his cat. Abort, abort. (laughs) Abort. I imagine for about two and a half days and castigated myself every time that I left my recording room, the room I'm in now, where I spend most of my time in the day. Every time I opened the door, I closed the door to keep it warm in here and save a little money or try to. And every time I opened the door to go pee, I told myself that there was a sniper on the window opposite and that they were pointing in and that they were doing it so that they could shoot me, so they could be a whiz sniper. And every time I did, I said, stop it, stop it. And I tried all of these different techniques that I normally do to get out of my insanity. So the further I go into PTSD log, like the more cloistered I get. Think about a literal scared mammal When I say scared animal, I mean a scared mammal. I mean a mammal that you can look in the eyes and you think to some degree you can understand what they're feeling. Doesn't matter what mammal that is. Pick your mammal. But don't pick no fucking Gila monster for this. Don't pick no giant fucking earthworm, okay? In your mind, close your eyes and imagine the animal in the corner of the cave. And they're all literally backed up the corner Of the cave, and their eyes are wide and narrowed on you, and their teeth are wide. Their mouth, even if they're not even if they don't even if they're a herbivore, it doesn't matter. This can be an elephant, it can be anything. But the mouth is wide. And every step you make, every movement you make that gets anywhere closer towards it, ah, 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 it puffs itself up. It makes its voice as big as possible. Ah! Because it's trying to scare you off. If if it actually wanted to hurt you, it wouldn't be in the corner, would it? No. If it wanted to hurt you, it could. It would come after you. It's telling you that it's going to hurt you from a position of weakness. Because when you're weak and you're a hurt animal, the only thing you can do against a stronger animal is threaten to hurt it. You can't kill it. You can threaten to hurt it. You can threaten to hurt anything that predates upon you. Because if you hurt a predator, you might wound it to the point that it dies. And there's a story That's told as apocryphal, but it actually happens every once in a while. It actually just happened, I believe, in India, and I believe it was 2019. It might be 2018. But it happens every few years. This is an apocryphal story. This is an actual story. Where a child will be alone in the outskirts of a remote village, and they will lock eyes with a tiger that intends to eat them. True story. And the child alone because this is how it works in these regions of the world there's no adult supervision. These are young kids six, five, seven, eight but you know this is their job. this is what they do for the family. The child having locked eyes with the tiger, knows what they have to do. And that is maintain eye contact with the tiger. And then they walk backwards to their village. Why wouldn't a tiger, this is a real story, why wouldn't a 300, 400, 500 pound tiger just attack a five-year-old kid? And the answer is because if that kid puts one little bite mark into that tiger's paw and that tiger can't walk as well as it did that day, but it doesn't need that meal, the tiger doesn't want to take the chance. Why would it? What's the benefit to the tiger? If you heard a tiger's paw dying, you could kill the tiger. You don't really think about that on a biological level, but when you think about it practically, of course, it makes sense. You think about the wounded gazelle. What happens to the wounded lion in the past? On a biological level, we understand this, and I personally, this is just a theory, think a lot of PTSD is just that, is someone pushing their metaphorical asshole up against a cave wall, the most tender and scared parts of them, the most vulnerable, their back, and their backside, and the parts that they're the most afraid. And they show you the side of them that's the biggest and scariest, saying, I'll kill you. Back off. I'll destroy you. Ah! Because they're terrified. That's when I'm in a PTSD mindset, is when I'm terrified. And the further I get into one, the further body lock I have, the more terrified I am of everything all the time. And so to combat the whiz snipers, I immediately stood in front and did stretches in front of my window. You're not going to get me whiz snipers. But every time I left my room to go pee, And I drink a lot of green tea and a lot of water to stay hydrated for all the recording I do for you guys. I imagine the Wiz Snipers and their crosshairs and their SEAL Team 6 gear. And after about a day and a half of this, after like 36 hours or so, I started telling myself, this is so nice. You know, this is really nice. Because just look at how far you've come. Because. I mean, not even that long ago, you were thinking about somebody just shooting you all the time inside your own house. And now you're only thinking about it when you cross this one threshold. So really, when you think about it, you're doing great. And I was listening to that voice, too. What a fucking piece of shit that fucking voice is. And it's not wrong. It's trying to be helpful, that voice in my head. But fuck it. There's no fucking whiz snipers and if there were, I'm just gonna die. So why would I worry about it? I'm just gonna die. They're whiz snipers. I'm not gonna feel it. It's not Game of Thrones. I'm just, I'm just, oh, I'm gonna take a piss and then I'm gone. So why worry about it if there are whiz snipers? Eh? Eh? So I did more than stretches in front of my front window. I actually walked out in front of my, in front of the house in my robe and my slippers and all that. And, and I made sure to take a, out the trash uh, and recycling in broad daylight. In broad daylight. Hard for me. Hard for me to do that on any day. I don't want to do that. I hate doing that. It's so easy to wait until 10 p.m. Why wouldn't I? There's no chance of seeing anybody. It's dark out. So I forced myself to take out the trash and recycling. I forced myself to do more stretches and more Christmas stuff in front of the window in broad daylight. I saw somebody as they walked by and I waved at them and they waved at me and we smiled. And then I went to go take a pee and I thought about something. So, the point being is that the craziness. Can't always be this fucking fought through good habits and openness, right? It doesn't matter if it's a ha- I'm like, okay, well, I'm I'm doing this to fight the whiz snipers, and the whiz snipers are fucking winning, and they're fucking shooting me in the head literally like every 90 minutes to two and a half hours at this point because I really, really like the way that this liquor tastes. So I have to do something else to fight the Whiz Snipers. So I thought, you know what I could do? Maybe I could tell somebody a story. Maybe instead of having the story of the Wiz snipers in my head, I can just find somebody that I think is pretty comfortable with, and I can just tell them the story of the Wiz snipers and how funny that is. Wouldn't it be funny if you were super attracted to a guy who literally thought that every time, and only every time, he was going to take a piss, he got shot in the head by a sniper, a SEAL Team 6 style sniper, on top of the roof of somebody else's house in the middle of New Mexico, in the middle of a shitty suburb that nobody knows in New Mexico. That's hilarious. What if you were into that guy? And what if, just what if, the guy telling that story leaned into it? Wouldn't that be funny? What if not only did the guy telling that story tell it, but tell it like, yeah, but you're still going to want this whiz sniper dick. That's a pretty funny story. I mean, if I was watching that TV show, I would definitely be interested in that character's approach at getting that woman and would want to know more about their mindset, that's for sure. I mean, it's definitely not saying there are no whiz snipers or fuck you whiz snipers. So, let's try it just tell a story. And it helped. I didn't feel normal. The person tried to make me feel normal because they're a very sweet person. <laughs> I didn't, I don't. <laughs> but it felt really good. And it felt like maybe this part of me from a long time ago that I put way, way down in there, that all the insecurities and all the doubts. that I I just started making tell stories. Maybe that combined, I think, with with the other stuff, the PTSD stuff, and kind of went from there. It's hard being creative and suffering from a mental illness where the issues are imagined. (laughs) This would be a really great disease to have if you were unimaginative, because then I could just be a Republican and just be all like, oh, goddamn Jews! Like, everything, just be like, ah, the Jews! Something's wrong in the world, it's the Jews. (sighs) You know, like, El Nino, except the Jews, and that would be it. But if you're creative, apparently you get to invent people who are out to kill you who aren't even there, out of whole cloth. Because in the movies, they always show you the schizophrenic, like, reads the headline, and then they have the fantasy. I fucking just have the fantasy, man. Do you think there's whiz snipers out? I've never even read a story about a sniper killing a guy taking a whiz. That's a true fucking story. I've played sniper games. I've never sniped somebody playing taking a whiz. You'd think with all the nothing. Nothing. But telling the story made it feel good. And that's what I'm doing here now with you. Before we get started with the Christmas show, long, long entrance. But you are my home. I put a picture up with a little cute little shitty wooden box that I enjoyed so much that said, Home, our journey begins here. Because that's really how I feel. Uh, I feel like I'm really just starting to venture out, journey out. All the bullshit that happened with my travel this year and trying to hook up and all the rest, it didn't really dissuade me. I really put myself out there, all the extra expenses. uh, I braved them. I didn't stay in that shitty apartment. I've really, really stepped up, I feel, in the last 90 days or so. The last 100 And that's a good feeling. So that's what I'm doing going forward. And that's what I'm trying to do with Wiz Snipers now. Because wouldn't it be funny, even funnier, than telling one woman about Wiz Snipers and having her be into me, is telling thousands of women about Wiz Snipers and having them be into me and then paying me money for it. That's a pretty good story, too don't you think? Okay. (laughs) We're going to meet... The heat just kicked on. I didn't expect that. We're just going to wait for the heat to kick off. I'm going to stop the recording here for just one second. We're going to just take a little moment of downshift. Uh, I thought... I know that's not true uh, because of lawn darts. See, I just came back from the recording and that's for... Everybody who didn't come to the live show, and now they're gonna be like, "What the fuck? Devil stream and lawn darts? What the fuck did I miss?" Okay, guys, we've got one little poem to read that's not Christmassy, and then we're gonna get right into your Christmas requests. Let's have a wonderful Xmas show, shall we? Here we go. You do not have to love me just because you are all the women I have ever wanted. I was born to follow you every night, while I am still the many men who love you. I met you at a table. I take your fist between my hands in a solemn taxi. I wake up alone, my hands on your absence in hotel discipline. I wrote all these songs for you. I burned red and black candles shaped like a man and a woman. I married the smoke of two pyramids of sandalwood. I prayed for you. I prayed that you would love me and that you would not love me. Leonard Cohen, you do not have to love me. Okay. Very sweet. And now that you've gotten your romance in, let's get some fucking Christmas going, shall we? Old Santa Claus, with much delight, his reindeer drives this frosty night over chimney tops and tracks of snow to bring his yearly gifts to you. The steady friend of virtuous youth, the friend of duty and, of truth, Each Christmas Eve he joys to come Where love and peace have made their home Though many houses he has been And various beds and stockings seen Some white as snow and neatly mended Others that seemed for pigs intended Wherever I found good girls and boys That hated quarrels, strife, and noise I left an apple or a tart or a wooden gun or painted cards. To some I gave a pretty doll, to some a peg tip or a ball, no crackers, cannons, squibs, or rockets to blow their eyes up or their pockets. No drums to stun their mother's ears, no swords to make their sisters fears, but pretty books to store their mind with knowledge of each various kind. But where I found the childrens naughty in manners rude, in tempers haughty, thankless to parents, liars, swears, boxers or cheats, or base tale bearers, I left a long black birchin rod, such as a dread command of God, a direct a parent's hands of use. When virtue's path, his son, refuse. (laughs) Uh, Old Santa Claus by Clement Clark Moore. Goodness, he's really gonna command them to spank, huh? Santa Claus has a lot of authority back in the old world that he does not have anymore. Like you could, you can't demand that somebody spanks a kid. Damn, little tree. Little silent Christmas tree, you are so little, you are more like a flower. Who found you in the green forest, and were you so very sorry to come away? See, I will comfort you, because you smell so sweetly. I will lay your cool bark and hug safe and tight, just as your mother would, only don't be afraid. Look, the spangles that sleep all year in a dark box, dreaming of being taken out and allowed to shine. The balls and chains, red and gold and fluffy threads, put up your little arms, and I'll give them all to you to hold. Every finger shall have its ring. No, there won't be a single place dark or unhappy. Then, when you're quite dressed, you'll stand in the window for everyone to see, and how they'll stare. Oh, but you'll be very proud, and my little sister and I will take hands and look up at this beautiful tree, and we'll dance and we'll sing Noel, Noel. Little Tree by E. E. Cummings. Never let me lose the marvel of your statue-like eyes, or the accent the solitary rose of your breath places on my cheek at night. I'm afraid of being on this shore, a branchless trunk, and what I most regret is having no flower, pulp, or clay from the worm of my despair. If you are my hidden treasure, if you are my cross, my dampened pain, if I am a dog and you alone my master, Never let loose what I have gained, and adorn the branches of your river with leaves of estranged autumn. Uh, Apologies, not Christmassy, but very beautiful. Sonnet of Sweet Complaint by Frederico Garcia Lorca. L-O-R-C-A, Lorca. I don't know how to pronounce that at all. I've never come across that name. All right. Okay, I was wrong. I thought I put all the Christmas stuff together. I was incorrect, so we've got just a little bit... Uh Uh-oh. You can still hear me, right? Yes? Okay. Great. Everybody can still hear me? Yes. Okay. Great. All right. Here we go. Just a little bit more then. So there's this scene in Predator where Arnold Schwarzenegger slaps the hand of Carl Weathers and the camera focuses for a moment on the flex of their palms. And I think that's how prayer works. Two tulips brush against each other in the rain, and when I watch action movies, I believe there is a reason Bruce Willis can jump out of a helicopter and propel into a circus tent, and then perhaps yippee Kae is really another way to say bosh a ah, a Then perhaps the choppa is a temple, and when he says get to the choppa, this call to return or just a call to stand at the garden and marvel at the beauty of wet flowers. Schwarzenegger in Prayer by Lucia, I'm going to go with Muradyan, M-U-R-A-D-Y-A-N. Interesting one. Would thought that would be written by a man. I guess she's a huge fan of 80s action movies. Makes no sense to me. Especially since she went with Die Hard 2 over Die Hard 1. Rookie mistake. And the snow lies deep upon the ground, and winter's brightness all around. Decks bravely out the forest seer, with jewels of brave old year. The coasting crowd upon the hill, with some new spirit, seems to thrill. And all the temple bells a-chime, ring out the glee of Christmas time. In happy homes, the brown oak bow vies with the red-gemmed holly now. And here and there, like pearls there show, the berries of the mistletoe. A sprig upon the chandelier says to all the maidens, come not here. Even the pauper of the earth some kindly gift has given to mirth. Within his chamber, dim and cold. There sits a grasping miser, old. He has no thought save one of gain, To grind and gather, to grasp and drain. A peal of bales, a merry shout, assail his ears. He gazes out upon a world to see all gray, And snarls, why, this is Christmas Day. No man of ice for shame, for shame, For Christmas Day is no mere name. No, not for you that's ringing cheer This festive season time of year. And not for you the chime of bells From holly temple rolls and swells. In day and deed he has no part Who holds not Christmas in his heart. Christmas in the heart by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. Sorry, I was just going over the fact that he died younger than me. I hope he had a lot of good Christmases because he didn't get many of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe he should have been more cynical. Maybe it would have kept him alive another 10-20 years. Everything's going great! Why, did you get me that dagger on Christmas morning? Here, let me open my arms wide for it. (sighs) Sundays, too, my father got up early and put on his clothes on in the blue-black cold. Then, with cracked hands that ached from labor in the weekday weather made, banked fires, blaze. No one ever thanked him. I'd wake and hear the cold splintering breaking when the rooms were warm, he'd call, and slowly I would rise and dress, fearing the chronic angers of that house. Speaking indifferently to him who had driven out the cold and polished my good shoes as well, what did I know, what did I know of love's austere and lonely offices? Those Winter Sundays, by Robert Hayden. God, that one hit me. Oof, that was beautiful. What did I know of love's austere and lonely offices? That's good. <clears throat> well, I suppose I should be grateful You're obviously gone to a lot of trouble and expense, or maybe off your head. Yes, I did like the birds. The small one, anyways, were fun, if rather messy. But now, the hens have roosted on my bed, and the rest are nested on the wardrobe. It's hard to sleep with all that cooing, let alone the cracking of the geese, whose eggs are everywhere, but mostly in a smelly heap on the sofa. No, why should I mind? I can't get any peace anywhere. The lounge is full of drummers thumping and toms and toms and spewing lords and crashing and manic leaping. The kitchen is crammed with cows and milkmaids and the smell of a million stink bombs and enough sour milk to last a year. The Pipers, oh, I forgot to mention them, but they were no trouble. I paid them and they went. But I can't get rid of all these young ladies. They won't stop dancing or turn the music down and they're always in the bathroom squealing as they squid across the floor. No, I don't need a plumber round. I'll just the swans. It's just, where else can they swim, the poor things? I think they're going mad. Like me. When I went to wash my hands, one ate the soap, the other swallowed the gold rings, and the pear tree died. Too dry. Thanks for nothing, love. Goodbye. On the 13th day of Christmas, my true love phoned me up too, by Dave Calder, C-A-L-D-E-R. All right, guys, we've got a couple more Christmassy poems left. Let's get those quick quotes ready. If you don't know how to do a quick quote or you're in for the first time tonight, Allie's going to go ahead and show you how. Uh, I hope that she was sipping or eating something right in the middle of that. It's always my favorite, like, mental image. She's always right in the middle of something, and I'm like, and then Alan, she's like, Pfft. she's got to spit it out <clears throat> quick as she goes. She doesn't know. We don't, we don't coordinate on this one. She's just got to be ready. <laughs> so all you got to do is you've come out tonight and you're live. You want me to say your exact quote. When I say it's time for quick quotes, you just go ahead. You put it in quotation marks, and I'll say exactly that phrase. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. A couple more poems, and then we'll move right along. Long show tonight. Thank you all for coming out. Santa needs new reindeer. The first bunch has grown old. Dasher has arthritis, and Comet hates the cold. Prancer's sick of staring at Dancer's big behind. Cupid married Blitzen, and Donner's lost his mind. Dancer's mad at Vixen for stepping on his toes and Vixen's being thrown out. She laughed at Rudolph's nose. If you are a reindeer, we hope you will apply... There's just one tricky part: you must know how to fly. Help wanted by Timothy Torture T O C H E R. I'm going to go with Torture, not torture. I thought he was hotter than he was. <laughs> <clears throat> Late lies the wintry sun abed, a frosty, fiery, sleepy head. Blinks out an hour or two, and then a blood-red orange. Sats again. Before the stars have left the skies, at morning in the dark I rise, and shivering in my nakedness, the cold candle bathe and dress. Close by the jolly fire I sit to warm my frozen bones a bit, or with a reindeer sled explore the colder countries round the door. When we go out, my nurse doth wrap me up in comforter and a cap. The cold wind burns my face and blows its frosty pepper up my nose. Black are the steps on my silver sod. Thick blows are the frosty breath abroad. Tree and house and hill and lake, and frosted like a wedding cake. Wintertime, by Robert Louis Stevenson. Last poem. Get those quick quotes ready, girls. I want to read your quotes. Get them in, get them in, get them in. T'was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon Would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visitors of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled down for a long winter's nap. When out of the lawn there arose such a clatter that I sprang from the bed just to see what's the matter. Way to the window I flew in a flash, tore open the shutters, and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow Gave luster of midday to objects below. What, when what to my wondering eye should appear But a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick I knew in a moment it must be Saint Nick. More rapidly than eagles his courses they came And he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer, now Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves the night before the wild hurricane fly, when they met with an obstacle mount to the sky, so up to the housetop in the courses they flew with the sleigh full of toys and Saint Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling I heard on the roof The prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my hand was turning around And the chimney saint Nicholas came with a bound. He was all dressed in fur from his head to his foot And his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back And he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself, and a wink of his eyes, and a twist of his head, and soon to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and filled all the stockings And turned with a jerk, and laying his finger aside of his nose, and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, and his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew, like the dawn of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, as he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. T'was the Night Before Christmas by Clement Clark Moore Wow, I really didn't know that he died before me. I really hope you had good Christmases. All right. Let's get in those quick quotes. You know you want me to say them. I want to say what you want me to say so that you will pay me. Here we go. Mm -mm. All right. Oh, are those panties just for me, baby girl? Let me see them. Spread your legs wide for daddy. Come here and sit on Daddy's lap, baby girl. Mm. (laughs) You're okay. (laughs) Daddy's got you. Oh, baby girl, are you too small to put the star on top of the tree? Here, let Daddy help you. The best way to spend Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Get better soon, T. Mistletoe is Spanx. Sorry, one more time. Mistletoe is for Spanx, baby girl. Looks like we found ourselves under the mistletoe, baby girl. So daddy's gonna have to kiss you here. Mm. And here. Mm. And especially... Here. Mm -hmm. I'm so proud of you. You're such a good girl for daddy. Mm -hmm. Oh, baby, everything's gonna be all right. Baby girl, why are you looking under the Christmas tree? Daddy has your present right here. You've done well this year. All right, guys, wrap up. This is the end of quick quotes. Especially if you're a new girl, I would love to absolutely positively say your thing. 100% If it's your first time out, especially, please put in quotation marks. I'd love to say your name. I'd love to say something you want me to hear. It's always good, even if it's silly. I would really like it. I'm pulling up the love letters now. Won't you help the show keep rolling right along? I don't see anybody typing. Oh, my God. I exposed myself and said what I want, and I'm getting hurt for it all over again. It keeps happening to me. Why do I keep exposing myself? Why don't I ever learn? I keep doing it over and over again. I just put myself out there, my heart on my sleeve, and then it gets ruined. It gets put into the dirt, and all I ask. For is the simplest thing, and order to give it, to give it back, would just give me such love and such joy. If only I could get it, if only I could believe it. Oh my God, the pain and the. All right. You made me, You made me do that for fifty more words than I usually have to, for the record. <laughs> Now the rest of you are on the hook. Keep typing. I'm pulling up the love letters now. Come on. I see you. Come on out, shy girls. I see you. There you go. <clears throat> Marie. Marie. <laughs> Tell Daddy what you want, Adrian. I hope I pronounced that right. I hope it's Adrian. Adrian. If not, those are the two most common. Yo, Adrian, because you're not tired of this joke, right? If anyone's even made it in the last 20 years. Yo, I'm old. <laughs> Pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. <clears throat> oh, baby girl, you're so thirsty for daddy. Your daddy's good, little girl. thank you girls for being so brave I really appreciate you guys coming out you guys putting that in there I hope I made you blush and sweat and all the rest and now we will take the focus away from you so that you no longer feel like you're under a magnifying glass let's get another link to that tip jar up now that I've Let's just say massaged you all so gently with my big, powerful, beautiful voice. Mm -hmm. Ah. And if you're listening to the recording of this, you goddamn better believe the Christmas holiday tip jar will be open for you to go ahead and put it on in. You better believe it, baby girls. Oh, I think Allie walked away from the computer. We finally got her. I hope we got her. Like, I, I hope she's, like, trying to watch a Witcher episode or some shit. And she's, like, just trying to sneak it in. And, like, I keep saying the name. All of a sudden, it keeps surprising her. And she's like, ah, she's running back as fast as she can. She's crawling on the ground to get away from the whiz snipers. I know at least one of you is going to go to the bathroom and going to have to pee real bad, and you're going to think about the snipers. It's going to happen now. That's how, that's how thoughts work. I've infected you with mine. <laughs> All right. All right. I really appreciate you all. Thank you so much for coming out, especially the new girls really do. It's very, very nice. (laughs) Okay, so here we go. we got some love letters to go ahead and read before we get into the sexy, sexy Christmas smut. I love this new section. I hope you're enjoying it as well. Please let me know if you do. I want to keep it going into 2020. It's kind of a newer segment. I like it. Please let me know. My love... I have just received your letter. I wrote several to you which must have been received by now. I love you more with each day. You are everything to me. I will sacrifice everything for you for our everlasting love. I love you. I could never forget you, my love. And if I am unhappy, it is because I don't belong to you as I would have liked. My love. My love my love. But I want you to be happy and think only of being happy. I would give anything for that. I am having some problems in Switzerland. All that is not important. Let them send all the tears to me. If I can prevent you from shedding one, kiss Maya, our daughter, and I embrace you a thousand times. Yours. Picasso. Letter from Picasso to Marie-Therese Walter. Boy, this one is so well-timed. Whoever submitted this one, well done. This is uh, very clever. I would never have thought of this one. This is a great idea of a... I'm smiling so big just seeing what this is. This is a great idea of a uh, non-traditional love letter and very well uh, themed for the show. So whoever came up with this one, you you were amazing. Here it is. My loving people, we have been persuaded by some that are careful of our safety to take heed how we commit ourselves to armed multitudes for fear of treachery but I assure you, I do not desire to live to distrust my faithful and loving people. Let tyrants fear. I have always so behaved myself that, under God, I have placed my chiefest strength and safeguard in the loyal hearts and good will of my subjects. And therefore, I come amongst you, as you see, at this time, not for the recreation and disport, but being resolved." in the midst and the heat of the battle, to lay down for my God and for my kingdom and for my people my honor and my blood, even in the dust. I know I have the body of a weak and feeble woman, but I have the heart and stomach of a king and of a king of England too, and think foul scorn that Parma or Spain or any prince of Europe should dare to invade the borders of my realm. To which, rather than any dishonor shall grow by me, I shall myself take up arms. I myself will be your general, judge, and rewarder of every one of your virtues in the field. I know already for your forwardness, and have deserved rewards and crowns, and we do assure you, on a word of a prince, they shall be duly paid. In the meantime... My lieutenant-general shall be in my stead than whom ever prince commanded a more noble or worthy subject. Not doubting, but by your obedience to my general, by your concord in the camp, and by your valor in the field, we shall shortly have a famous victory over these enemies of my god, of my kingdom, and my people. Queen Elizabeth I. I wish I had given that speech more raw. I'd never heard of that speech before, but it was very good. Where's the uh, Where's the HBO miniseries on that, huh? All right. So, because the heat is going, I'm just going to read a little one of these real quick, and then we'll get into one of the longer Christmas smut stories. Uh, I hope everybody's been having a good time. If you came out for the pre-live show, you've been listening to me for, like, two hours straight already, and we've still got all of the smut to go, so... I hope you're enjoying Daddy Plus Plus, because Daddy Plus Plus is sure enjoying him fuck himself. Everyone having a good show while the heat's on? Everyone having a good time? Good. That's what I like to hear. i have a little sip of water while it's going. It's the worst. Is while the heat's actually on, I'm all bundled up. So while it's actually blasting through, I'm roasting. And my hands are just a little bit sweaty just now. And as soon as it kicks off, I'll be fucking frigid again. For like 30 seconds, 60 seconds. It's like a video game cycle. It's like one of those like puzzles with like the heat and all that. And I'm like, ah, I'll be sweaty, I'll be cold. My testicles can't figure out where they want to be on me at all. They're moving up and down like slinkies that can jump upstairs and then just kind of backslide down the rail. They don't know where they want to be. Like I said, it's different. It's not superior, it's different equipment. All right, here's the real quick one. Last night, there was a moment before you got into bed. You stood quite naked, bending forward a little, talking. It was only for an instant. I saw you, I loved you, loved your body with such tenderness. Ah, my dear, I'm not thinking of passion, No, of that other thing that makes me feel that every inch of you is so precious to me. Your soft shoulders, your creamy warm skin, your ears cold like shells and cold like long legs, and your feet that I love to clasp with my feet, the feeling of your belly, of your thin young back, the below the bone that sticks out the back of your neck like you have a little mole. It's partly because we are young that I feel this tenderness. I love your mouth. I could not bear that it should be touched even by a cold wind if I were the Lord. We too, you know, have everything before us and we shall do very great things. I have perfect faith in us and so perfect is my love for you that I am, as it were, still silent to my very soul. I want nobody but you for my lover and my friend, and nobody but you shall I be faithful. I am yours forever. Catherine Mansfield to John Middleton Murray. So that was a love letter and not porn. I thought it was like, okay. I'm a little mixed up, I guess. My bad. This is why you got to send in the request earlier in the day. It's not that it won't, it's not that it'll help the show in any way, but then I'll have one less excuse to lob in your direction, you see. I'll still be as disorganized, but I won't have the excuse, because this way it sounds so like, hey, you guys got to send it earlier. If you send it in like two hours before, there's no way I can organize it. I'm not going to organize it before, but there's a way I can do it. You hear what I'm saying? It's a weasel. You we are the weasel. Oh, I just taught- somebody out there just had the epiphany, they just realized, oh, shit. Like, that's how you lie without- like, I just taught somebody how to lie without lying, and they're just now realizing, like, oh, I wasn't going to intend to do it anyway, but if I say there was no way to do it, (laughs) I gave them the dark power. Oh, no. (laughs) Now they're going to be thinking about whiz snipers as they take over the world. Only the snipers can stop me now. People say that's a t shirt a lot to me, and I don't agree. Wiz Snipers might be the exception. I know nobody's going to do it or want it. Can you just imagine, like, the silhouette of a sniper on this, like, a suburban ranch house? Just a totally suburban neighborhood, but if you look on one of them, you see it just a sniper with the whole everything set up and everything. It's kind of pointed vaguely in the direction of another house. That's a fucking funny image. Just the silhouette, the black. You're like, you got you to gotta look at it. So it's like, wait, is, is there, is there a fucking sniper on the floor? Somebody's little bathroom light is on. You can see their silhouette. It's a whiz sniper. I've heard of these. <laughs> uh, I'm, there's going to be a Netflix documentary where some sniper is going to give up like, the, is going to give up like the manual on sniping. Uh, I know that, because there was just a documentary on Netflix where they, apparently the CIA gave up the manual on how to assassinate people. This is true. They actually got the, the actual manual from the CIA uh, in the documentary, uh, and they start reading from it, and they and they're just all like, "Yeah, when you gotta kill somebody, like make it a last resort. Uh, but when you do, like you definitely gotta push them off something. You absolutely have to push them off something so that it looks like they fell. If it looks like they fell, you're probably gonna get away with it. They're probably not even gonna investigate it. So." Like, don't poison and don't shoot them, but definitely just kind of come up behind and push them a little off something and kill them that way. That'd be pretty good. It's the 1972 CIA book. And there's definitely going to be a sniper book, like, down the road. So you're going to be like, oh, yeah, the best way to get snipers is when they're pissing. Oh, yeah. They never expect it. I'll be like, ah, ha ha ah. I made no defenses, but fool, sir, you're wrong. Sir, I did expect it, sir. When good things are happening to me, I'm about to have sex, and when I'm peeing, that's when I thought someone was going to snipe me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Every time. Every time. That's how I lived my life, and I lived it so well. All right, the heat's definitely off now. Okay. This story comes to us from nobody. (laughs) I don't know why I said that. Here we go. All right. Finally, into the porn of the fucking porn show. Kevin was eagerly awaiting to meet up with Amanda at a local coffee shop. It had been a few days before they had last met up, and all he could think about was her curvaceous body, her breasts, her smile, and her eyes. Kevin realized his cock was starting to stir with all the horny thoughts about Amanda since she was so sexy. He had to think of something else to prevent a tent from forming in his trousers. He was about halfway through his coffee when Amanda walked through the door You read that right, you heard that right. And glanced across the room with that gorgeous smile of hers. She walked across and gave him a peck on the cheek before sitting down next to him. You look and smell divine. Damn, Kevin, say hello, Kevin whispered. I just want to ravish you all night here, but I want to raise a few eyebrows in the coffee shop, so I have to settle for buying you coffee. Kevin has no chill. Amanda told Kevin what she wanted, and he went up and ordered. Okay. Woo! It's going to be a fun one. All right. Let me give you that sentence one more time. Amanda told Kevin what she wanted, and he went up and ordered. He looked back, still unable to believe that this amazing woman was his lover. (laughs) It had been cold outside. And Amanda was wearing a big, warm coat that she took off and put over the chair. She was wearing one of her favorite blue t-shirts, and even though it was too high to show off her cleavage that Kevin admired so much, Amanda was still looking amazing. She had natural beauty that combined a sultry look and an innocent look and a tomboyish appeal. Oh, boy, that's just getting a fucking drink, eh, Kev? Combined with her smile and those eyes that seem to look right into your soul, Amanda's look always knocked Kevin for six. One more time. Combined with her smile and those eyes that seem to look right into your soul, Amanda's look always knocked Kevin for six. Okay? The blue T-shirt also featured in one of the first pictures she had sent to Kevin. But with that look that was both innocent and sexy, that enchanted Kevin, and the blue t-shirt was tight enough to show off her curves without being too obvious, fucking sluts. When Kevin got back to the table, he mentioned how lovely she looked and they just smiled at each other, and with that look of inane happy grin that lovers have when they're deeply in love and lost with one another. Christmas was not far away As they talked and chatted away About Christmas memories And the films that they'd like to watch over Christmas Kevin liked Tom and Jerry cartoons over Christmas The classic Christmas film It's a Wonderful Life With James Stewart playing a character That wishes it would have been better for everyone If he had never lived And with Clarence, his guardian angel And he gets off God damn, this is like a coffee date with me Holy shit We're just talking about plot shit Amanda smiled It was obvious Kevin was a bit of a Soppy romantic at heart Kevin then told Amanda that he had a Christmas present for her back at the house, and he also asked if she liked Christmas card that he had sent her. It was one of those funny cards on the front, it said, to avoid getting your knickers in a twist over Christmas. On opening the card, it said, Don't wear any! Amanda replied that she found it very funny, and, well, Kevin about the no knickers but it would have been nice if the Christmas card was a bit more romantic. Kevin was glad that she liked the card, but made a mental note to try and be a bit more romantic next time. Both of them were so happy with the fuzzy feeling inside compared to those Christmases being single. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's about how this couple hooked up. I agree with that. I agree. At least the author understands the, the, the portrait that they're painting here, the landscape and how everything... You know, I thought this author was just kind of weighing it, but after that sentence, I do actually believe that they had a game plan, and now I'm really curious to see where we're going. All right. There were times when they would just stop talking and look lovingly into each other's eyes, giving each other a kiss... And just holding hands and smiling, Kevin whispered to Amanda that they must have looked so sugary and sweet together that others around them in the coffee shop might start to ask for sick bags and passed out, since it was just too much to... Did a fucking ten-year-old write this? Ugh, kissing! Ugh, knickers! After all, Kevin had come off being envious, but in a nice way, when he had been single and glanced around and see people blissfully in love. Amanda finally finished her coffee and kept, is that what she got? Is that (laughs) what you avoided saying? I was so curious what she ordered because I've never seen a coffee shop date where it's like, what do you want? She's like, the drink. And he's like, okay, I'll go get the drink. And he comes back with the drink. And then she drinks it. He's like, is it good? She's like, yeah, I love this. So apparently it was coffee the whole time. (laughs) Mystery solved. I'm going to watch out for this. Next time I'm going to see somebody abort, and I'm going to see somebody like offer somebody like a flute of champagne. I'm going to see if they say champagne or if they're just all like drink. Mmm. Delicious drink. <laughs> uh, finally finished her coffee and Kevin's just going back to his place. When they got there <sighs> This is where the story begins. I just want to remind everybody. This is why I'm so good. This is, this is now the beginning of this story. What, everything I've read before now is just worthless bullshit, unless you're really into coffee. <laughs> uh, when they finally got there, Amanda took off her coat to hang it up. No, nope, we stopped the begun. I'm so sorry. I lied to you. And Kevin came up behind her and gave her a cuddle, kissed her on the back of the neck, and then gave her a waist, a gentle squeeze, then slowly ran his hands up along the sides of her breasts and massaged them through the T-shirt. Amanda, feeling his growing arousal, pushed back up against her pert behind. I believe that this is a false flag, and they're about to sit down and do something else. I have not read ahead. Amanda loved the way that Kevin could not keep his hands off her, and that he was so turned on by her, but it was the way that he touched her that made her feel so special. His touch was not a grope, but the loving caress of a lover that worshipped her. Mm, someone's feeling frisky. She smiled. But you'll have to hold back, naughty boy. Haven't you got a present for me to open? Fucking nailed it. I knew this fucking bitch didn't have the goddamn courage to get down. Oh, I was i was this naive asshole like 15 years ago, too. Like, oh, we can't just get to the sex. Women don't just want the sex. You really got to paint a picture here. Uh, fucking hell, man. You really got to gotta fill it out. You got to get, get that motif going. You got to really bring it back. <laughs> they then went to the front room and Kim came back with his present and two glasses of drink. He actually says wine. And they presented her present and he... Yeah. and he presented her the present, and he said, "Merry Christmas to the most amazing, gorgeous, sexy, sensual—wow, this is—this sounds like I'm fucking making fun of him, but this is the literal line. I'm gonna try it again. Merry Christmas to the most amazing, gorgeous, sexy, sensual, alluring, funny, mysterious, naughty, and gravacious woman in the world." Amanda beamed at his phrase. Oh, she's real fucking sad on the inside. Kissed him on the lips and opened the present. Just imagine the hand, like, getting the coffee and going back, and he's grabbing your tits, and he tells you all that, and you're like, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I can open the present now, right? (laughs) <laughs> Amanda beamed at the praise Kissed him on the lips and opened the present It was some Chanel Number no. 5 I love Chanel Number no. 5 And with that, she sprayed some onto the side of her neck Inviting Kevin to smell Kevin took in the combined scent of her perfume The aroma Amanda And the smell of her hair A lovely mesmerizing concoction of feminine smells He then kissed her on the neck Nibbled her ear and started gently caressing her side From her waist up to her armpit Note, women you better smell like a woman before you put anything else on. Because if you don't smell feminine by just being smelled, this guy ain't going to fuck you. Uh-uh. You better smell... F- Naked you just better smell feminine. Otherwise, this, if you smell... he a- mm, You smell like a Roger. He's not into it. You better have that... You better have one of those pussies that smells just a little bit like vanilla. Like a little bit like vanilla. Better not smell like oregano or thyme. That's a man smell. All right? You hear me? You still have to wait, Randy man. They're still my present. For you. She whispered, but I still have to wrap it up. So go upstairs and wait for me. On the bed. So Kevin went upstairs and took his shoes and socks off before laying on the bed, waiting in
1: anticipation. (laughs) I (laughs) love (laughs) it! Jeans, shorts,
0: and everything you'd wear to go to a coffee shop in the winter. And then he only takes off his socks and shoes. I fucking love that image. Can you imagine saying, I have to wrap my present, go upstairs, and you go in? He's still in his fucking like button up flannel and his jeans. He's just sitting there with his hands on his lap, like, hey, hey, lady. <laughs> Isn't it nice that we're not spending this Christmas alone? <laughs> What had she got him? He seemed to have been waiting for ages when he finally heard her coming up the stairs. Close your eyes, she said. He obeyed. And when she told him to open them, there stood Amanda in a very sexy Christmas outfit. One she had purchased from Ann Summers, along with some very red lipstick. Surprise. Do you like it? She said with a sexy pout. I'll be back Trying not to giggle since Kevin looked at her like a little boy that had just gotten his best Christmas present ever. All right. Author's note. I've never had a woman dress up for me, ask if I liked it, and pouted. Now, two out of three of those make perfect sense to me, but I'm really trying to imagine, like, a woman looking at me in negligee and being like, Do you like it, though, Daddy? Do you like the way it to... Like, what's your... What's the move? What's the pout for? <laughs> Do you like... like... I want it, like, in reverse... Oh no wait, I do I do do that in reverse and you like Do you like that dick little girl? Do you like it? Okay, never mind. All right, all right. I'm sorry to say it. Okay, never mind. I get it. I get it. I get it. All right, I get it. All right. Never mind, I got it. Answer my question. he was off the bed in a flash grabbing her in his manly grip. Mm, you're wearing my Chanel number five as well. This is the best Christmas ever. Kevin has brain damage. They went into a deep, passionate kiss, tongues intertwined and caressing and kissing each other on the face and cheeks, hugging each other tightly, something out of an old Hollywood romantic movie. But the X-rated version, (laughs) once again, Kevin's hands were starting to roam, but Amanda was strict, telling Kevin she would undress him first. Well, of course, he left her no fucking choice! Forrest Gump over here really did not give her some fucking options, did he? (laughs) Slowly unbuttoning his shirt and gently caressing his chest before removing the shirt. She then licked and kissed his chest and then started to lick and suck on his nipples. As she did, this one hand went down to feel his erection. She then unzipped him and slid her hand inside, feeling Kevin's hot, stiff cock through his underwear, gently brushing her fingertips over the thin fabric to feel the shaft underneath, then brushing her fingertips over his helmet, Kevin almost falling over with the intensity of it all. Amanda then unbuckled his belt and pulled down his trousers.
1: (laughs) Even the word trousers in this scenario is amazing.
0: Once they were down, she knelt down and smiled as Kevin stood before her, his erect cock straining to get out of his underwear, she looked up and smiled with a sultry, slightly innocent look with those ruby red lips, at Christmas outfit. eh? Is this another present for me? I wonder what it is, she said with a mischievous grin. What is that strange shape, shaped like a banana, inside my underwear? He said... I know, I'm a naughty girl, she said, but I do like to feel my presence before opening them. Grasping his cock through his underwear with her hand and squeezing them, she gently squeezed the shaft. Oh, it's so stiff, so warm. What is it? By now Kevin was in heaven, utterly aroused and enchanted by her little game. His cock... Oozing precum. Oops! <laughs> I hope I haven't broken anything. <laughs> Something seems to have leaked down and made a wet spot on your underwear. Then she pulled his pants and cried out, "Oh, it's an erect penis! Can I play with it?" She then started to masturbate him. Kevin closing his eyes in ecstasy. Hey, Kevin, she whispered, keep those eyes open. You should be enjoying your present cupping her breast in the Christmas outfit as she looked up at him. She then went back to gently playing with his cock and more precum oozed out.
1: Oh, what's
0: this? And with that, she used one finger to scoop up some of his pre-cum and put it in her mouth and sucked it off. Mmm, yummy, she said in a very naughty She then went back to masturbating him, looking up at her lovely red Christmas outfit with a particularly naughty look. I know what sort of naughty thoughts you have, and I bet you fantasized about girls in Christmas outfits kneeling down and doing this to you. Then she whispered, Merry Christmas, and kissed Peter the Great. It's in quotation marks, too. It's in a single thing of quotation marks like we're supposed to refer to it as Peter the Great. Kevin named his dick Peter. That's a lot. to. I had to close my eyes. I'm still processing that Kevin named his dick Peter. Okay. All right. Okay. (sighs) All right. Okay. Okay. Then she whispered, Merry Christmas, and kissed Peter the Great, her name for Kevin's penis, on the helmet, leaving a mark of her red lipstick. Well, that's cheap and fucking sucks. Looking up into Kevin's eyes, she kissed to lick up and down the underside of his shaft, using the tip of her tongue to touch the most sensitive parts of his cock. She then licked around and sucked his helmet and used the tip of her tongue to massage the tight taut skin from Kevin's swollen helmet to a stiff shaft. By the time she was getting very aroused and very damp between her legs and purring like a cat, she loved studying Kevin's erect cock so close, so phallic, so erect because of her. Then she started sucking his cock and loved the warmth, the texture, the way it throbbed in her mouth, sucking up and down her lips enclosed clothes around his helmet while the tip of a tongue swirled around the head. Then she slowly sucked all the way down his shaft as far as she could go, then back up, gripping his shaft with her moist red lips. At first she did this very slowly, looking up into Kevin's eyes and slowly feeling his balls at the same time, then faster and faster, and even making it over the top slurping noises. Kevin found the sensation amazing as cock grew harder and even bigger and he realized that he was close to coming. Amanda was so aroused. She wanted to feel his cock pulsating and ejaculate inside her welcoming, warm mouth, but Kevin pulled away much to her frustration and ours collectively as well. Not yet, he gasped. I still want to play with my present. Reluctantly, Amanda stood up, pushing her boobs against Kevin in her Christmas outfit. As she did so, the lower part of her skirt, with the fur, brushed gently against Kevin's sensitive cock. Oh God, she cried. Fuck me. Both of them were standing up and his cock was slipped easily into her wet pussy. Standing up, he knew it would be much more difficult to come, So he d- did... We're going to go back over that again. Both of them were standing up, and his cock slipped easily into her and her wet pussy, and, standing up, he knew it would be more difficult to come. So he did what she was grasping for and fucked her, thrusting in and out, hard and fast, deep inside her pussy. How tall do you think Kevin is relative to her? I'm trying to picture, I'm also, I'm, I'm, I, I, that is just somebody who doesn't know how sex works. That's okay. That happens all the time. I'm really curious about why this individual thinks if you were to have sex in that position, that means that you become Superman and your cock can just go and go and go. I'm really, cu- like when you, you don't see it in porn a lot because women don't like getting dropped on their fucking heads. But when you see the position in porn where like the guy is literally holding the woman and like, you know, physically thrusting her up and down and they're just like, you know, in the middle of the room, does he think that the guy is doing that because it's harder for him to come? Because men only do that in porn because other men are watching and looking like, yes, she's even more of an object. Ah! Now tell her she doesn't have a 401k. Ah! Uh I'm so curious as to why he thinks it would be hard to come, and I would just, I would love to ask. I bet he just threw the line in, and I'm over-obsessing. Okay, all right, we gotta get through this one. We're not even, like, halfway through this fucking piece of shit. Okay, <laughs> by this time, she was getting very roused. Oh, I can't, No, did I go back up? Yes, I did. My bad. Okay, all right, apologies. Okay, I see what happened. Sorry, my bad. Kevin found the sensation amazing. His cock grew even bigger, and he realized he was so close to coming. Amanda was so aroused, she wanted to feel his cock pulsating and ejaculating inside her warm, welking mouth. Kevin pulled away. Not yet. and Stand up, then boom the porn. Yes, 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 she cried. And in no time, she was on the verge of coming. This hardly ever happened so quickly, and Kevin was yet to play with the Conchita, his name for her pussy. Holy shit one more time. Yes, 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 she cried, and in no time, she was on the verge of coming. This hardly ever happened so quickly, and Kevin was yet to play with Conchita, his name for her pussy, as was the understanding lover, and it was something he was excellent at, making love so slowly and so intense. But this time it was a basic fucking, and then she cried out again and started to come, her wetness dribbling down the base of Kevin's cock as the orgasm hit her and he continued to thrust in and out, in and out, until she almost fainted in his arms. He then gently put her onto the bed, still in her sexy Christmas outfit, kneeling down to raise the red Christmas dress and admire her legs clad in fish net stockings, her now very wet pussy with very obvious and swollen labia lips. He then used his finger to caress her wet labia lips, then moved up to slit to her clit, and then again, ever so gently, slid his fingers into the warmth of her pussy that felt like treacle. He then proceeded to suck Amanda's juices off his fingers. Then he got real close and nuzzled his nose into her pussy, porting her labia with the tip of his nose, then sliding up and down her soaking wet slit, masturbating her with the tip of his nose. He then started to lick her pussy.
1: (laughs) 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 I just love that he jitter directed her before he started licking her pussy. I kind
0: of thought he was doing something with his nose. But... I I thought that was in lieu of pussy licking. I thought Conchita wasn't going to get them kisses. But apparently he just really loves gonzoing his snaws right up her pussy before giving her a couple of licks. You know, you gotta love it. (laughs) Alright. And he started to lick her pussy before sucking on her labia lips. Gently taking each of her lips and sucking up the juices. The nectar of love. As she became more aroused, he started to suck both labia lips, then used his mouth to cover her whole pussy, the tongue lapping up her copious juice. He then switched between sucking her labia and licking her clit back and forth until she felt a second incredible orgasm starting to build. Yes. She cried, At her first orgasm was slow, then it built into one incredible orgasm, her whole body shuddering with the intensity of it all, so much so that he had to push Kevin away, his face covered in her wetness. Kevin looked down on her in an orgasmic bliss, still in her Christmas outfit, and she recovered, sat up, and kissed him. Wow, that was amazing. Would you like to play with your present? And with that, she undid the back of her outfit, and her naked, pert, perfectly formed breast tumbled out, Merry Christmas! For the next five minutes or so, Kevin blissfully touched and caressed Amanda's breasts and nipples. He loved the way they felt in his hands, and he lifted each up breast and (laughs) squashed them against his face as he gently squeezed them. Then he ever so gently stroked each breast, covering every inch of skin, paying special attention to the sensitive underside of each breast. He then started to kiss and lick one breast, while the other hand continued to massage the other. Amanda was getting turned on again with all this attention being paid to her breast. Then Kevin started to suck and lift one nipple. Then the other. Amanda was now feeling powerful emotions. Kevin was really turning her on, caressing her sensitive breasts. As Amanda stroked Kevin's hair, she could feel the intensity of it all as she was breathing life into Kevin as he sucked and worshipped her breasts. Mm -hmm. Do keep stroking and sucking my breasts. It feels so wonderful. You're making them feel so uh, uh, sensitive. She always had sensitive breasts, and Kevin's touch, it really felt like another orgasm was building up, but that lovely pre feeling was building and spreading from her breasts rather than her vagina, her protruding nipples becoming super hard and sensitive. Then her whole body felt like one erogenous zone, and Kevin, sensing this, continued to suck and lick each breast, but also started to run his hands over her naked upper torso, then under her Santa skirt and over the stocking-clad legs, up to her bare thighs and over her wet pussy, she felt herself melting as he reached another orgasm number three. Amanda had to regain her breath, and Kevin was lying next to her, watching with a smile. She was partly sitting up, naked from the waist up, with her breasts heaving up and down, while her Christmas outfit partially covered her stocking. Clad legs. It was getting a bit too hot to keep this outfit on. Amanda stood up and, with Kevin watching, slowly removed the outfit until she was totally naked, apart from the long legs clad in the fishnet stockings. Do you like the look? And with that, she gave a twirl. She looked amazing with the fishnet stockings that showed off her legs and her lovely pert bottom. Then, She laid down on the bed with her back towards him and looking past him, partly raising her feet and lowering legs so that Kevin could see her gorgeous bottom and pussy framed by her fishnet stockings. She looked so inviting in this position that Kevin started to massage her back before moving down to the sides of her waist and on past her hips to the naked area of her thigh above her stockings. Then he slowly brushed his hands back to her hips, where his hands rested so naturally on the curve of her hips. Then he concentrated on her pert bottom, focusing on each delightful trick, sometimes squeezing them together in a lovely posterior cleavage. Other times, he pressed her cheeks apart so that her bottom and vagina felt so utterly exposed to his stare. Her pussy, Conchita, was also so aroused by all the attention that it had during the evening so far that it was so wet, swollen, and very red, in keeping with Christmas. Amanda was loving the attention, and he started to use the head of his penis to gently brush up and down Amanda's inviting labia lips, and then using the head of his penis to brush her clit, then back to the entrance to her vagina. After doing this for a while, Amanda was begging him to enter her. At first, he pushed her forward slowly until the head of his penis was just inside her entrance, her labial lips starting to shudder as they embraced. As her labial lips started to envelop the head of his penis, they pulled back out, Amanda desperately lifting up behind in an attempt to keep his penis inside her pussy. Then... He brushed his helmet up and down her slit until she was begging him to slide into her. Then he slowly thrust forward, watching his clock slowly, very slowly, slide into her wet pussy, Amanda sighing with relief as his manhood finally entered her pussy. At first his thrusts were slow and gentle, and then he started to pick up speed, faster and faster, his cock easily slipping into Amanda's moist pussy. In the end, he was able to pull out right of her pussy, her wet pussy lips grasping at his shaft, then thrust back deep into the depths of her pussy, her whole body being pushed down on the bed with each thrust. Faster and faster he thrust into her, and in the doggy position she felt so exposed, and also so aroused, it felt like they were two passionate animals. Kevin was starting to groan like an image drifted into Amanda's mind. She began to imagine that she was Little Red Riding Hood, so that he'd come into the woods all innocent and virginal, but was also very sensual, and that Kevin was the woodsman, or was he the wolfman, and could not hold back from his desire for her as they fucked and let go of their inner passion and animal instinct. The thoughts of her sent her over the edge as Kevin continued to thrust into her even faster. She started to push back and forth as well, Kevin pushing her whole body deep in the bed at times. Then they both started to groan. Amanda's pussy shuddered in an intense orgasm, He, her shuddering and very wet pussy massaging and sucking Kevin's cock. Then finally sent Kevin over the edge with an extra deep thrust. He came as well, groaning really loudly and filling her pussy with an intense orgasm. Ej- ejaculation as his thrust became involuntary and pushing her orgasmic body further into the bed. It was so intense that he continued to thrust in and out. Well, after ejaculating, both of their bodies were shuddering in spasm of orgasmic bliss, and Kevin finally collapsed on top of her with the intensity of it all. Both were out of breath and gave Amanda the chance to recover. Kevin slid out of one side but remained tight to her body, not wanting to let go and they fell into a blissful blissful sleep. <clears throat> what a way to celebrate Christmas. Christmas Surprise by Sex Explorer 120. I don't normally do this, but I have to see some other <laughs> stories. Okay, so he's got a couple of other stories. Here are the other titles, ready? <clears throat> Flirting becomes lovemaking, part one and two, okay? (laughs) Sexy maid. The sexy teacher. (laughs) Oh, the description for sexy teacher is amazing. Here we go, ready? Here it is. Here's the description for sexy teacher, ready? Can't concentrate on the lesson. Because sexy teacher (laughs) yeah, reminds me. I I was going through like one of the big, big ones, like you know your Pornhub or like your RedTube, you know, like a long time ago. Uh, Like one of those big ones. I haven't been one of those sites in a while, Uh, but I was on, you know, one of the one of the major ones. And when you're on one of those like big, big, big sites, you have no idea what you're going to click on. they, they could just be hosted by any old person or they could be like officially like the stars or the agents or the agency that, 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 that manages them as put it out to the site. And then they're like, they're playing five minutes of it as essentially a commercial that you don't know is a commercial. You don't know what's on those sites. And so the titles can be anything. And the titles are extremely misleading. Like you'll see full video a lot and it's not, it's just a little clip, yada, yada, yada. Again, that's why I'm not on these sites. They're bullshit. But I, I saw a title and I laughed. And then, like, I don't know, five, ten minutes later after not coming, I went back and had to watch it. I went back and had to watch it just because of the title. And the title has stuck with me to this day. I've thought about making it a title of one of my pieces as well. But I I don't know if people would get it even if I made it fun. And so (laughs) the title that I'll leave you with, and you can decide if you'd click on this or not, right? Here it is. Naked people having sags. <laughs> I saw that and I laughed. I am like, come on, f- come on, man. What are you talking? That's offering me the vanilla in an ice cream store. What are you talking about? No, sir. Sarah. Peshaw. <laughs> but then after not coming for a couple of minutes, I went, I was like, alright, I hit the back button and I clicked. I was like, what the fuck? I don't know. Maybe I, just, maybe I just need naked people having sex. I mean, this is what I've been missing. Maybe I just, maybe I was going to, because at that time I was all like, busty, redheaded schoolgirls, fucking black guys uh, in Southern Ohio. Right? Like I was like, I was into, you know, like I was, you know, into different. That's just one example, guys. It got really spe- Don't think that's the only fetish I have. I just saw one great video. I'm like, I need more like this. That's pretty much how it always happens. I saw... I was on the internet for like, I don't know, a decade jerking off to internet porn? Before I saw my first naked Asian woman? And then I clicked on that category a lot for like the next 90 days. Like that's just how it happens. Don't tell me that's not how it happens with you either. I just, I don't know. That's just how it works. (laughs) So I was, you know, I was on these major sites and I was trying to get to specific shit. And I went back and I clicked on it. Now here's the unfortunate part of the story of naked people having sex. I don't remember the video at all. I don't remember the video at all. I remember going back and I remember looking on it. I don't remember a single fucking frame of it. I don't think there was anything about it. It was really just the title. That's probably why they put the title in there. It really was just a man and a woman going at it in a couple of different positions. They were fine looking. Nothing wrong with them. Didn't do it for me. On I went. Back down the rabbit hole of whatever I was into at that point. Two girls on knees facing away from each other. Yes, it was naked people having sex on the porn site. It was 100% actually naked people actually having sex in three different positions. Uh, Back then, porn was what we called, like, jackhammering. Like, that's what they would show if you were going to show eight minutes of a 30-minute scene. You'd get, like, there was no, you're my stepbrother, though. Like, there was none of that, even, back then. Uh... There was no, I'm the plumber, like that's a trope. But there wasn't really any of that in the Brazzers, Naughty America, like the big producers back then. This is like 12, 13 years ago. The big producers back then would just always be all like, every week be like, I'm a student, you're a teacher. And they just start sucking the cock. Right there. Just going right at ah, 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 ah. Uh And just 100%. And it was just that week after week after They didn't even bought They had one set. Uh, per, per theme, and they would just bring him into that one set, though. And that's it. And just every week, it's just all like, Professor, we're here alone, and you're... And they didn't even try. It was always the same monologue at the beginning of everyone. They had seven or eight different categories. It was bullshit. It was all bullshit. And they would take out 30 seconds of that beginning, and then they would just show the guy, the guy's penis going into and out of the vagina for seven and a half minutes in different positions. Just ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, uh. That's all it was, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, for seven and a half minutes, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, uh. That's it. That's what every video back then one of those sides was. Of course I couldn't get into that shit. Of course I started going down fetish holes. How, how often can you watch the same 20 cocks go into the same 40 women for eight and a half minutes? And I mean, they would do it for 30 minutes at a time. Just ah, and the woman, the whole 30 minutes, yes. Yes. Oh fuck yes. I was saying yes before, but yes. Oh yeah. Yes. So good. You know, like women do. You know, like women do when you fuck them. That's what women sound like when they're having a great time. When you're on a roller coaster and you're having an amazing time, that's what you sound like. Ready? You're going up. You're like, okay, i got so nervous. Oh my god, I'm so nervous. And then "Uh, uh," you're hanging. "Uh, uh," Yes. Yes. This is amazing. Yes. 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 Right? That's how it goes, right? I've never been on a roller coaster or had sex, so I'm just assuming that they're both the same thing. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right, guys. Let's bring it on home. I think this one's actually going to be a little bit sexier. So let's do it. It's a little shorter and a little sexier. And let's get all sneaked in. Uh, This is the perfect time to tip me if you haven't done it already because I know you've been having an amazing time. I have too. So perfect time to tip me if you haven't. Don't worry I'll be begging for more cash before the new year and making you feel bad about not giving me that money. That's what I do. Toys are meant to be beautiful, molded, and crafted for just our pleasure. Their shiny plastic, bright-colored silicon and swirling glass surfaces were made just for us ordinary people to feel good. My toy is beautiful. She is perfection in human form, a doll's face with large, dark eyelashes atop big brown eyes that blink blankly at me, ready to serve. Her long hair flows alongside perfectly sculpted cheekbones, and her pouty mouth opens only for me. She is mine. Toys are meant to be played with. Their buttons are placed in just the right spot so they can be pressed and turned on. Their mechanical insides buzz to life when we want them to and become silent when we're done. They are shaped for our bodies, made to be inserted into warm, wet depths to fill cavities that are begging to be stuffed. Toy fits. My toy fits me. Her breasts are squishy, filling my small hands. Her nipples harden at my touch and poke softly at my palms. Her small waist is perfect for my open arms to wrap around. The swell of her rounded cheeks nestles into my hips when we sleep like spoons. She loves it when I play with her, when I pinch her and scratch her, when I bite the soft flesh of her thighs, making her squeak. She's a good toy, opening her perfect little mouth for me, waiting patiently for my cunt to lower down onto her tongue so that she can lick and suck. Toys are meant to be cared for. They must be washed and cleaned after every use and put away carefully in their drawers. Their batteries must be charged and ready at all times. One never knows when they might be needed. My toy is always ready for me. She is eager to please me, and when I am done with her, I stroke her soft skin and tell her that she's done well. I wash her by fluids from her silken hair and brush it gently. I whisper in her ear as she sits patiently for me, You are a beautiful toy. I reward her with kisses on her pretty pussy, dipping my tongue inside and tasting her sweetness, a taste made just for me. I'm gonna play with my toy today She's gotten herself ready for me Made up just now how I like her Her cheeks are flushed Her eyes are bright Her face is clean She knows not to overdo it Mm. So sorry, I just lost my place for one second there She knows not to overdo it. She was made beautifully and doesn't need decoration. She wears jeans and a blouse, simple and flattering, but I know that underneath is something special just for me. She kneels before me, her face turned, eyes locked on mine, waiting. My mouth curls in a shy smile. She knows that I know that she is already dripping for me. I bend down with her on the floor and take her in my arms, feeling her lean against me as she's melting." It's unnatural for me to be in this position of power, to hold something in my hands who belongs to me. I'm more comfortable being owned as well. She knows this. Her devotion to me is that much stronger because of it. Her kisses are sweet, timid at first, working into a passion before her tongue slides between my lips and into my mouth. She makes me feel things deep down inside my body, and I rush to undress her like a Christmas package. She is a gift in light pink. Her pale skin glows like new snow dappled with sunlight, her nipples wink at me from beneath the sheer fabric, hard strawberry candles begging to be sucked and licked. Her slit, barely visible between her thighs, beckons my fingers to explore. I lead her to the bed and secure her limbs to each corner stretched out like a star. She's bright against the night dark sheets. She wants to be used. She begs for it silently in large doe eyes seeking mine looking for answers to unspoken questions. I want to play with her. I want to make her squeal for me. I press my tongue against the soft fabric covering her cunt, finding a pool of dampness. I love the Noises My toy makes soft sighs, and my peeps turn to needy groans, and eventually she screams. Her toes squench as I tease her, and her sounds reach a soft crescendo until I pull away, leaving her throbbing and vibrating. I pull her panties to the side and rub the tip of my fingers over her opening. She waits patiently, but I know what she wants. I give it to her because I enjoy my toy. I push my finger inside her and feel her slick walls clench around me. She groans as I go deeper and her hips grind ever slightly into the mattress. I begin to pump in and out of her, adding another finger as her head begins to thrash from side to side. She loves this, making my heart beat fast with pleasure and happiness. She knows that I get so wet when I play with her that my own cunt is about to burst with need. This is the hard part. I want to make her come. I want to watch her convulse on my fingers as they play with her, but she's a good Good toy. Good toys get what they want, and she is requested not to come just yet. She wants to be used as a toy should be used. I pull my hand from a sopping slit and feed it to her, making sure she cleans herself off of me. Her big eyes blink in appreciation as she sucks on each finger, swirling my tongue around the tips and in between, finding every last drop of her fluids. I lower myself down onto her beautiful face, smothering her, grinding against her. I can hear her moaning. Her muffled sounds fill me with joy. Her tongue dutifully laps at my clit, pokes inside me, scooping up my taste. She knows exactly what I need, varying the speed and pressure, taking me on a ride. Up and down, my body rises and falls with the sensation of a mouth. My thighs begin to shake. A sheen of sweat glistens on my chest, and the sounds I make for her become more desperate. When I come, my thighs involuntarily grip the side of her face, squeezing and holding her right where I want her. My screams fill the quiet room. I lift off her face, glistening with my moisture, and she is smiling beneath me. Her eyes blink at me happily and she licks her lips like contented cat. She knows that she has made me happy. I lean down to kiss her, tasting myself off her tongue. Then, I check her cunt. It's just as I thought—soaking wet, dripping, and knee. I leave her there on the bed, as hard as it is for me. I walk out of the room and shut the door. She is spread wide on the bed in the silent room, left alone to pine for me. She asks me to leave her there. She wants it to be used like a real toy and then discard on the bed like a forgotten object. As I stand under a hot stream of water, rinsing her saliva from between my thighs, she is on my mind now. Her face, her hair, her mouth, her body. I miss her touch already. I miss the pleasure she gives me and the body begins to respond again. I dry off slowly, enjoying the feeling of that soft towel on my skin, knowing that I don't take my time. I'm not gonna give her what she needs. I dry my hair, moisturize my skin, and dress myself all while thinking of her, wondering if she's thinking of me, too. I can't wait any longer. It's as if she's calling me from the other room. My toy's pretty voice echoes in my head, but when I quietly open the door, I see that she's still there and Mm -hmm. silent. She's breathing softly, and she's made a wet spot on the sheets. Such a good toy. I lean over her, my clean brushing of her perfect face, and she smiles at me. Did you miss me? She asks, her voice like sugar. I did. I nod and kiss her deeply. I missed her very much, and I want her again. I'm drawn to her. This thing made just for me my very own toy. It's time for me to show her how much I missed her, and I smile as I scooch down between her wide, spread legs. What a pretty toy you are. Toys Story by Blue Submission Well, it's been a hell of a show so far. I've been going on for about three hours now at this point. I've got one more piece to read. It looks to be about the same length as the one that I just read right now. The problem is, I don't know. Can I get just a few more tips? It doesn't matter even if it's just a dollar. the number of girls tipping in, You know, it just means a lot to me when that number's there. So nice to have you all out there. I really appreciate it. If you can't afford a few bones, it really means the most to me. Especially if you think tonight's been a great show and I've been it out the last three hours. Okay. Here we go, final piece. Not expecting a lot of feedback anymore because of course I've turned you on so much with my insanity, my inanity, all the rest of me, and here I hope that this final little piece before I send you off to your Christmas holiday, should you celebrate it, or until just before the New Year, if you're going to celebrate that with me, here we go, and I do hope you enjoy. It was a few nights before Christmas. I was getting restless as I wanted to know what Daddy bought me for Christmas. Daddy had been working late this particular night, and I was waiting for him to get home. I must have drifted off at some point, because when I woke up, it was to the front door being opened. I jumped up quickly and knelt on the carpet in the dining room. The front door opened, and Daddy walked in. I greeted Daddy like I always do when we headed upstairs. Daddy put me to bed, and we said our goodnights. Tomorrow was our day, and I couldn't wait to spend the morning in Daddy's arms. I fell asleep pretty quickly and slept for a few hours before waking up to the noises downstairs. As I sat up and looked at my phone, it was 3.30. Since I had been sleeping naked for Daddy, I threw on some clothes and quietly opened my bedroom door. I walked out into the hallway and could see a faint light coming from the downstairs. I slowly and quietly headed down to the carpeted uh, portion. The light was coming from the sitting room. I looked into the room and saw someone under the Christmas tree wearing all red. I tried to be as quiet as possible. I stepped into the sitting room and could tell that it was a man that was dressed in red under the tree. I walked over and gently kicked his foot. The man jumped a bit, crawled out from under the tree. He was dressed like Santa. What are you doing out of your bed, young lady? He asked. I heard noises. I answered. Well... Since you're up, would you like to be Santa's little helper? He asked. Of course, Daddy. I answered with a giggle. Go put this on. He handed me a bag. I headed into the downstairs bathroom and put on the outfit that Daddy had gotten me. It was red and white female elf dress. I made sure the dress was perfect before leaving the bathroom to show Santa Daddy. Daddy looked at me with a smile through his fake white beard. I walked over to him and kissed my cheek. I giggled as his beard tickled my face. Now, help me place the rest of the gifts under the tree, baby girl, Santa Daddy stated. I helped him place the rest of the packages under the tree, and I could feel Daddy staring at my ass as I wiggled it. Under all the packages were placed and the stockings were filled, Daddy sat on the couch and watched me move around the room. Come here, baby girl. Daddy stated, Yes, Santa, Daddy. I answered, mm, you look amazing in that dress. Spin around for me. Daddy stated, Yes, Daddy. I responded as I spun around, making the skirt of the dress flare out so Daddy could see underneath. Mm, good girl. Now come here and tell Santa what you want for Christmas. Okay, Santa Daddy. I responded and walked over and sat on his lap. I want Daddy for Christmas. Oh, really, baby girl? Daddy asked. "Mm Mm-hmm. I answered. Well, we'll just have to see about that. Daddy responded. Yay. I started to wiggle my ass against Daddy's crotch. Be careful, baby girl. You might start something there. Daddy stayed as he tried to stop my wiggling. Baby girl, I told you to stop wiggling. Daddy warned me again. I kept wiggling on his lap, giggling, until he flipped me over in the love seat and had me laying across his lap. I giggled as he lifted the skirt of my dress up over my ass and pulled down the panties, exposing my bare ass. I could feel my pussy getting wetter by the second. Then I felt the first smack of Daddy's hand against my bare cheek. Are you going to listen to what Daddy says? Daddy asked. Yes, Anna, Daddy. I giggled. Daddy smacked my ass a second time, this time a little harder. I still giggled. I couldn't help it. I was getting turned on by Daddy spanking me. Each time Daddy asked if I would be a good girl and listen, I finally said yes I would. Daddy then rubbed my ass where he'd spanked me. It felt good. I wanted more. I felt my pussy dripping, and I'm sure there was going to be a wet spot on Daddy's leg. Before I could say anything to Daddy, I felt his fingers sliding all over my wet slit. I moaned slightly. Daddy slid two fingers inside my dripping pussy and twisted them around. I felt my body relax and my pussy open up for Daddy. Daddy moved me so that I was laying on the love seat but still facing down. I heard Daddy remove his Santa costume and reach for something on the side of the couch. Daddy ran his fingers over my pussy lips and made sure I was positioned where he wanted me. I hope you're ready for your early Christmas present, baby girl. Daddy stated before he slid his hard cock into my pussy with one thrust. I moaned at the sensation of being filled with Daddy. Daddy let me adjust to him being inside me. All I wanted was for Daddy to fuck his baby girl. Good and hard. I squeezed my pussy walls around his cock, and he began to thrust in and out of my tight, wet pussy. I moaned as Daddy fucked me. I begged for him to do it harder. Daddy grabbed my wrist and started to fuck My pussy harder still. The harder he went, the louder I got. Yes, Daddy, I started crying out. Oh, baby girl, he moaned. More, I begged. You like Daddy's hard cock in your pussy, don't you? Daddy asked. Good girl. Daddy growled when I answered in the affirmative. Daddy continued to fuck my pussy harder and harder. The feeling of his hard cock deep inside me only made me wetter and soon... I was on the verge of coming. I've never asked permission to come before on my own while we had sex, but I thought, why not beg? May I come, Danny? Oh, yes, baby girl, come for Daddy. Daddy growled, Oh, yes, baby girl. Daddy grunted as I started to come. Here it comes. Oh, yes. Come on, baby girl, give it to me. I'm going to come with you, baby girl. Baby girl, I'm going to come too. Daddy grunted as he came. Once we both had come down from our intense orgasms, Daddy pulled, pulled out and got dressed again. He then helped me stand up. And go up the stairs to my room. I changed for bed again, and Daddy tucked me in and kissed me goodnight. Good night, baby girl. Sleep well, and I'll see you in the morning. Daddy stated, Good night, Daddy. I will. See you in the morning. I started to drift off. You're welcome, baby girl. Daddy stated with a smile as he turned off my light and closed the door. Santa Daddy, by Brady Bell, number 18, on Letteronica. <sighs> Guys, that was the show. We got into it. We did real stuff. Talked about howering mental illness and made you laugh at it, you jerks. Begged you for money, so hopefully you sent it in, whether you're here or at home. Uh, lots of sexy smut. Uh, Lots of great poetry tonight, lots of classic poetry. What a great Christmas show. Fantastic crowd. Really appreciate everybody who came out. All the stalwarts, all the new girls. Really appreciate each and every last one of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. It's been a great show. I've been your host. I'm Jack. I do these a fair bit. You should come out to Discord sometime. I feel like I'm getting better at them all the time, but I've been feeling like that for a while, so you got to come out and show me. Otherwise, it's just me thinking it, right? So thank you very, very, very much. Thank you to Allie for all the work she did this show and all the rest of the year, of course. Had a great show, had a lot of fun. I think you guys did too, and I appreciate it and you very much. From the bottom of my heart, me and Allie and all the ladies of the night, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. I will see you once more before the new year. Thank you very, very, very much for being a fan. For being a member, for being a part of this, the greatest adventure of my life. And I met what I said with that cheesy, shitty photo around the Christmas tree that's on the Twitter. Home is the beginning of our journey.